Kathy Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Father, I thank you. Father, let this be to your glory. I thank you. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. Father, we ask for grace in this meaning. And let us only see Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we begin, last week we talked about curses and breaking the curse that Father gave you the authority. And I want to share a testimony that couldn't be here today. Cindy Barber contacted us from Mount Juliet. And she took that word and she started breaking that curse. And she had severe pain in her feet. Got to the point that she couldn't even wear shoes. After last week's program, joining her faith with ours, she started breaking that curse And she said, I'll quote her, most if not all the pain is gone and I'm wearing shoes. And she said, not only that, I'm leaping and jumping before God barefoot. That is the power of God. Is it us? No. No. It is our heavenly father and Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants us saved. He wants us healed. He wants us prosperous. He wants all those things for us. Why? Because he's our father because he's our father. Now, if you would turn with me to John 10, we'll go through these verses again. Uh, John 10, verse 34, Jesus answered the Pharisees, Sadducees. He said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and this is what we get to, and the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. What healed, what broke the curse in Cindy's feet? The word of God said it cannot be broken. And Jesus, it is written, Jesus became a curse for us. She put her faith in that word. She put her faith in what Jesus did for her, and the curse was broken. That is for all of us. That is for anyone that will believe. Turn with me to 1 Peter 3. Likewise, you wise, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, your behavior, coupled with fear. What are they seeing? They're seeing you walk in the spirit, walk in the gospel. It says, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, the wearing of gold, or put it on apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man, there's where your adorning should be. And that which is not corruptible. Even an ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. That's what we want. We want that meek and quiet spirit. We want that assurance. We want that faith that when things go to chaos around us, we stand. We stand and we watch God fix the situation. And that's what he does very well. Turn with me to Luke 4. You may be the worst sinner walking this earth. God can fix you. 
He can get you forgiven. He can get you justified. He can get that out of you that wants to to do the sin. That is a complete job. And we will see today why that job is complete. Luke 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus speaking. He said because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You see God sent Jesus. Jesus didn't come on his own. The father sent him. Why? For these reasons. God sent his only begotten son for these reasons, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you see God wants your broken heart healed? He sent somebody to heal it. That's how much he wants you healed. To preach deliverance to the captives. Deliverance to the captives. You know, I have met people that could not get out of their house. They were captive to fear. They were afraid to leave their own home. You know what? God sent Jesus to save that person. To deliver them from being captive to that fear. Preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. I want to say recovering of sight to the blind. When I was a high schooler, I was reading the Bible. And I can remember sitting on my floor. I had a little bedroom. And I was sitting on the blue carpet on that floor thinking, reading the word of God saying, I wish I understood this. It's not making sense to me. I wish I understood that. You know, God heard my prayer. And what did he do? He opened my eyes. He opened my eyes and made the word of God alive. Alive and real to where it would work to set at liberty them that are bruised. God sent Jesus to set at liberty them that are bruised. What bruises us? Actions bruise us. Words bruise us. We used to say as a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, they do. They do. Words hurt. They bruise. They get into our hearts and they fester and they tell us things and they talk. And the father knows that the God of all heaven that created this world knows that. And he sent Jesus to save you from it. That's why we're here today. Now, today we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. One of my very favorite subjects. Why is it one of my very favorite subjects? Because it changed my life. God started revealing it to me. Changed my life life, especially my prayer life. It changed me. I want you to go to Leviticus and I want you to go to chapter 17. We're going to get the basic word of God about the blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17 verse 11. This is God speaking and he makes a remarkable statement. He said, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Did you know that? Your life is in your blood. You don't think that? Take all the blood out of a person. Your life is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. Do you see, even in the law of Moses, God loved us enough that he said, I'll take blood for you. 
I'll take blood of an animal instead of killing you. Do you see that love? Do you see how much he knew what we do? That God said here, I gave you the blood on the altar to make an atonement. What is an atonement? It covers it over so that God won't judge you. And you know what? I want you to realize this. That atonement in the blood, and we're going to go to that next, does not cover the Ten Commandments. You want to obey the Ten Commandments. You need to read about the Ten Commandments. There was no offering for breaking one of the Ten Commandments. If you broke the Ten Commandments, you got rocks. You got stoned to death. There was no covering for the Ten Commandments. We don't want the Ten Commandments, folks. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. We want all the mercy that we can get. Leviticus 4. Now, this is what God did with that blood. Verse 27, and if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, see, through ignorance, while he does something against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which we has sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. And slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. Notice the man, when he realizes he has sinned, brings an offering. A kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. So he brings this goat, this young goat, and he brings it to the priest. And what does he do? The priest has him lay his hand on his lamb or his goat. And you know what happens? The sin that he committed is transferred to that animal. The sin that he committed is transferred to the animal. That's why he had to lay his hands on it. And slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. Now the priest kills the lamb that has the sin on it. He kills that lamb, that innocent lamb that took on the sin of the man. It said, and the priest would take the blood thereof with his finger, the blood of that lamb that took the sin, and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. So he pours out all the blood of that lamb at the bottom of the altar. Now I want us to think about this. Because we have a society now that doesn't even want to look at blood. Doesn't want to talk about blood. Doesn't want to see any blood on any meat. No blood, no, you know, nothing. In fact, people I have seen faint when they see blood. But now I want us to consider that blood. The life is in the blood. It is red. That blood is red. And it doesn't matter if you're a white man, a black man, a brown man, a yellow man, a green man. That blood is red. And it's sticky. And it's thick. And God said, that's where the life is. That's why we don't eat blood. That's why even the Gentiles do not eat blood. Why? Because the life is in your blood. Now, turn with me to Isaiah 52. Because we have something so much better than the law. We have something that has been given to us, even the Gentiles, that is so much better than the law, so much more powerful, so much 
more precious, so much more giving, loving, is what we have in the New Testament. Now, Isaiah 53, I'm going to read verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And look at this. And the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. If you study the day of the crucifixion, and we'll go look at just part of it, but if you study that crucifixion, Jesus was put on the cross, I believe, about the third hour. And it said it got dark. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, it got dark. It got very dark. Jesus died in the dark. But not only that, but between that time, the Father, God, Jehovah, Jehovah himself, took your and I's sin from us, and he laid it on that body. He laid it on Jesus. He laid your sin on Jesus. Just like the man that put his hand on the sheep and the sin transferred. God himself took all sin and put it on that body. God did it. Do you see the wonderful cooperation between Jesus and the Father? Jesus got hung on the cross. And after Jesus got hung on the cross, after he went through everything and was nailed there, the Father stepped in and put our sin on the body of Jesus. Just like the man put his hand on the sheep and the sin transferred, the Father himself, out of love for us, put our sin on the body of Jesus. All of it went on there. Every single thing that you and I have done was laid on that body. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to consider. The Father did it. Jesus just didn't accept it. The Father did it. Cooperating, working with Jesus, making sure that all sin went on that body. Making sure your sin went on that body. But you don't know what I've done. The father does. He didn't miss anybody's folks. He didn't miss your sin. I remember thinking at one point, well, maybe all the sin was put on Jesus, but mine. Now, how silly can that be? It says right here in the word, the father laid on him the iniquity of us all. That includes the man that beat to death his four-year-old. It includes that. It includes the man that got so angry that he killed his wife. It includes that. It includes the woman that went and had 15 abortions. It includes that. Why do you think the man Jesus had every bone out of joint? Because he was carrying it all. He was carrying it all out of love for us. Out of love for us. I love what First John 1 29 says. And I'm just going to read it. We're not going to go there. But it says the next day, John the Baptist, seeing Jesus, 
John knew before anybody else did. John the Baptist. He sees Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, look at him. There he is. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew who he was. There's the Lamb. The man in the beginning in Leviticus laid his hand on the Lamb. There's the Lamb. There's the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew, oh, he must have been so happy. There he is, folks. He's here. He's here. You know what's better? We got the other end of the deal. He's risen. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father for us. That's the better end of the deal. Now, turn with me to John 19. If you will get this in your heart and understand what that blood did, you can stand face to face with Jehovah and you can get solved anything that needs solved. All right, John 19, I'm going to begin in verse 33. This is Jesus on the cross. He has already received all the sin. His body is now in pieces. His bones are not broken, but every bone is out of joint because of sin. And he's got every sickness and every disease that has ever been on this earth that's on his body too. And our poverty and our peace, everything is on that body. And then Jesus died. He died with all that on him. In verse 33, and when they came to Jesus, they saw he was dead already. And they broke not his legs. Let's go back to 32. Then came the soldiers, broke the legs of the first, and the other which was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw he was dead already, they broke not his legs. And it's written in the Psalms, not a bone of his is broken. They're all dislocated, but they're not broken. It says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced Jesus' side, and forthwith came out their blood and water. The blood poured out of that body, that blood that took on your sin and my sin, our sin, that blood poured out to the bottom of the cross. And now let's go to chapter 20, verse 17, and we will look at what Jesus did with the blood that was poured out. Jesus is now risen from the dead in John 20. He has walked out of the grave. Stone is rolled away, and he is standing outside the tomb, not a ghost. He's a man. So much a man, Mary thought he was the gardener. So in other words, he wasn't sparkling. He wasn't transparent. He wasn't floating six inches off the ground, and he didn't have a big halo on his head. She thought he was the gardener, and he's standing there, alive. Alive. Verse 13. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and she saw Jesus standing, and knew not it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener. I've seen gardeners. Supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, now she recognizes him, Rabbani, master. And Jesus said unto her, look at this. He said, touch me not. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. 
Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and my God and your God. He is now alive. And he said, don't touch me. Why doesn't he touch him? Let's go to Hebrews 9. Jesus took that blood and he goes to heaven. And we know that because in Luke 24, Jesus tells the disciples when he appears unto them, he said, handle me, touch me. But here he's telling Mary, don't touch me. I got to go see the Father. What does he do when he goes to see the Father? Hebrews 9 verse 11. But Jesus became a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. That's the one that's in heaven. God told Moses, I want you to build this tabernacle just like I showed you on the mount. And it was a replica of the one in heaven. And now Jesus goes to heaven with that blood. And he goes to that perfect tabernacle. Can you imagine? The word of God becomes a man. He's a God. He becomes a man, empties himself out. He goes to earth and he suffers the death of the cross. And he is buried and he goes to hell. And God pulls him out of hell. And now he shows up in heaven after the work is done. Can you imagine the party they had up there when they saw him coming? I can't imagine those angels doing anything but shouting and screaming and praising God and Jesus. The work's been done. And now we're going to finish it. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He walks into that tabernacle in heaven. By his own blood, he entered in once under the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Who met him in the holiest of holies in heaven? Who met him? Jehovah met him. Jehovah met him. Read on. Jehovah meets him in the temple. And Jesus hands him his blood. He said, here am I. And here it is. Here it is, folks. Here's what you require that we be forgiven. Here is what you require that we are justified. Here is what you require that we be redeemed, loosed away, ransomed from the power of the devil. Here it is. And he sprinkles the holiest of holies in heaven. And you know what that made you? The moment that was sprinkled, the moment that God, God, Jehovah, standing in front of his son, Jesus. And the moment Jesus sprinkles that blood in the holiest of holies, you are justified. You are justified. The father watches it. The father sees it. Not only that, the father accepts it. Your sacrifice has been accepted. That blood of Jesus for you was accepted, accepted. Your sins are gone. You have been justified. You have been made righteous. Why? Because you got no sin. You have been sanctified, set apart to the Father. You have been ransomed from the devil's power. That all happened in a beautiful moment in heaven. Why is it not 
working right now in your life, we have to believe it. The just shall live by faith. We have to believe it. We have to trust in it. We have to preach it to ourselves. We have to put our trust in it. And you know it got to the point that I could go in, and I do often, almost every night. I go into the presence of God with that blood. Do you know that there's nothing that I've done that can get me into the presence of God? There is nothing about me that can get into his presence except the blood of Jesus. I can stand there, and I have said it here, and I'll say it again. I can stand in the presence of God and say, look at me. You must look at me, Father. You must look at me. I am covered in the blood of your dear son. I am covered in that blood. And you know what? I get God's attention right away. I can tell. I can feel it. I can feel his eyes looking at me. He has to. I've got the blood. I've got this son's blood. He has to look at me. He has to hear my prayer. He listens to my prayer. Why? I've got the blood. I've got the blood. It's nothing that I've done. It's not who I am. It's not where I came from. It has nothing to do with us. What has it to do with? I've got the blood. And it doesn't matter where I am. I've got the blood. You know, you can be in jail and get to the Father with the blood of Jesus. You can get into his presence in jail. You can get into the presence of God sitting on a stool in a bar. He will meet you there. Why? It's the blood. You've got the blood. And he loves the blood. He worked with Jesus to make sure that blood was shed. And he loves when you come into his presence with it. Why? He loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. That blood. And we will be studying it in the weeks ahead. But that blood, that blood gives you full right into heaven. Full right into the presence of God. Full right into all the promises. All the promises. It is such a joy to be in the presence of God. Knowing you've got his eye. And you've got his ear. Knowing. And it's for any Christian. It is for anyone who will believe. Anyone who will believe. The first thing you need to be though is born again. You need the spirit of Jesus in you. The spirit that went to the cross for you. The spirit that died for you. The spirit that went to hell for you, the spirit that took on your sin for you and satisfied the Father with his own blood for you. You need that spirit in you. And all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. And he will. He wants to. He's been waiting for you to ask. And he will come the moment you ask. And he will come into your heart. He will lead you. We don't have to do this on our own. We don't have to walk with God on our own. Jesus will lead us. He is the shepherd. 
He's the one that'll tell you where to go. He will tell you what to do. He will send you to where you can hear about him like he sent me here. That's the love of God and that's the love of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.